Welcome to episode number 36 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Lindsay Gordon, who is the founder and coach at alifeofoptions.com. And at A Life of Options, Lindsay offers career coaching for analytically minded people so they can get back to showing up to work the way they want to. In this episode, you'll learn about two sides of the equation. One, how Lindsay launched and grew her business. And two, the career coaching side of things, how she runs that, and how you can find a better fitting job. As always, show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And if you head over to iTunes, you can subscribe there and leave a rating and review. Please do this. takes about 20 seconds and it helps more people find the show. Without further ado, here is Lindsay Gordon from alifeofoptions.com. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on and go through this whole career coaching journey as you know from from the start of it to actually how you coach people and go through all of that. But first, I want to begin with the career coaching side of it. Like, how did you end up in this profession? Because I know you were at at Google and like tech support and some different roles. How did you end up as a career coach? Yeah. The easiest answer is that I fell into it, like all the <laughs> career changes. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of on my third career at this point. I did a little bit of engineering. I, as you mentioned, was in technical support at Google. And what I found when I was at Google, I was working with a lot of new hires and they were coming in and they were really stressed about their job and how to think about their relationship with their manager and how to figure out how to grow in such a big company. And so a lot of people came and ended up talking to me about career. And there were some suggestions of, you should be a coach. I had no (laughs) idea what that meant. I went and tested it out. And, you know, long story short, started it as a side business for a little bit and then grew it into a full business. So that's kind of how I made the transition. That's awesome. And when it was just a side business, like what did that look like? Like how many people were you working with? Was it just like coaching calls or how did mm-hmm. that like logistically work? Yeah, good question. Because I was doing it completely on the side of my nine to five, I generally had one client at a time just to test it out. And we would kind of do calls whenever the client <laughs> could. So outside of of work hours on weekdays or on weekends. So trying to keep it reasonable, just one client at a time. Yeah. It seems like a smart idea to start slow and then see how much you can manage and also like perfect the craft, I imagine as well. Exactly. Exactly. So then initially, how much did you have mapped out in terms of your whole like process for coaching people or how you would coach them? Because I'm sure other people interested in starting businesses or, you know, a coaching type of business, like what was the initial kind of planning and like that process thing? Yeah, I did a great year and a half long certification for coaching. And I learned a lot of great tools from that process. And so when I first started with clients, I used a lot of those tools. But I'm also someone who is just fascinated by everything, curious, reading lots of books. And so I started kind of curating my own set of exercises that I thought were really interesting. And I spent about six months kind of testing out all these different exercises and seeing which ones were actually useful for all the clients that I was working with. 
And so after six months, I kind of had this plan of, oh, here are all the exercises that have been really effective for everybody. And so I kind of put those together in a program of itself. And that's what I've been using pretty much ever since. Awesome. And in that program, like, was it like a step-by-step process of like, you know, this is like 12 weeks or how many certain calls you would need or how many things you have to go through? Like, what did that program kind of look like? Mm -hmm. Such a good question. I think when you start out, you just do anything and work (laughs) with anyone who wants to work with you, right? (laughs) Of course. So I had some clients that I worked with for like just two weeks, really to get them going, get them started. I had one client I worked with for six months. And I think the the beauty of getting started in business is like, you're not going to know exactly what the plan is. You're going to work with a bunch of people and trust that over time, you will figure out where is your sweet spot? What is that length of time? You know, who do you really enjoy working with? And where are you impactful um, in their process? So I think I kind of tweaked and honed (laughs) over that six months and then kind of ended up on three months is a really good amount of time for my clients and my particular program. Nice. And is that broken down into like certain phases or certain chunks of like, yeah, first month, second month, third month, or how is that kind of like broken up? Yeah. So I have been told that I am on the extremely structured end of the process. <laughs> and so I'm like, yep, we have six sessions. Here's what we do in session one. Here's what we do in session two. There's like a whole arc to the program. You know, the exercises build on each other. So that's kind of how my brain works. So yeah, it's very, very structured. You know exactly what you're going to be doing. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's I think that's important because for you especially to have the structure and then also like just to be able to replicate that and then have a framework for, you know, putting people through that, even if they have slightly different goals and everything like that, you can at least have that framework to put them through and then you can adjust along the way as well. Seems like the best way to do it. Yeah. And how long were you actually building this, like starting to coach people before you were like getting to that point of going full time? Because that's a huge jump for people. How did you get to that point? Yeah, it is. I Ran it on the side for about a year. Okay. And at that point, I really wasn't satisfied with what I was doing in my full time job. And so I really needed a break. And I actually, I did not have a plan to take this thing full time. I was actually interviewing for other full time jobs. And what I found is that. I was so exhausted at that point that I was like, you know what? I can't jump into another full-time job. I need some time off. So I took some time off and like had a lot of fun, did a lot of awesome stuff, did some travel, did some professional baking courses. And then a couple months into that, I was like, you know what? I don't know. Let's just try this whole full-time business thing. I probably (laughs) won't even like it. I'm not sure I'm going to be great at it. And, you know, really gave it a try and here we are <laughs> almost three years later. So Jeez. You know, totally intentional. The accidental entrepreneur, we could call oh, it, yes. I suppose. Oh, yes. Oh, so, yes. I mean, during that time up, I think there was someone else on the podcast as well who took time off after quitting their job to kind of figure figure their stuff out. And so mm-hmm. you took, it was a few months before you actually decided to go full-time into yeah. the business there. Yeah. Okay. And like, how valuable I think that time off was? Unbelievably valuable. I see this with clients a lot too. Sometimes when you get kind of, crushed by your job and burned (laughs) out, you actually don't have the capacity 
to focus on finding the right next thing. So if you try when you have like zero gas in the tank, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a really painful process. And I had to feel that first. And then to say, you know what? I got to trust that I have to replenish some of my energy. And, you know, maybe it's about rest. Maybe it's about fulfilling some of your creative needs or, you know, doing some hobbies again. So I just think that sometimes you may feel that way and just trust that a little bit of time off is going to get you right back to where you need to be so that you can be motivated and excited about finding that next thing. Right. And you had that time off the, the few months and you decided, like, you know, let's, you applied to some jobs. You weren't really feeling that and wanted mm-hmm. to go full time into your business, which was it always called a life of options? Just curious. Yeah. When I first started, I had no name because again, did not plan for this and was not planning on taking it full time. But as soon as I decided that I really wanted to give it a go, I sat down and did the brainstorming and, you know, figured out all the names that I thought it could be and, you know, up in the middle of the night thinking about it. And (laughs) I just want to say that for me, when I chose it, it did not feel like, you know, the heavens opened and everything aligned. It was like, (laughs) "Uh, all right, this this one's fine. So, you know, that thing of just like, do something, get it out there. It's not going to be perfect. You may not be in love with it, but take the action, get the thing out in the world. And actually, I've really grown to love it. So... Yeah, I just wanted to share that, like, you know, it doesn't always feel like, yes, I found the perfect thing when you're <laughs> in the moment. Sometimes it takes a little while to grow on you. Yeah. And yeah, picking it is just important, right? Because if you're crippled by that for too much time, it's like, you're, <laughs> exactly. you're going to have um, other problems about other decisions you need to make if that's the hard thing that's getting you stuck. Yeah. Right. I think it's especially tough if you've, if this is like, if you're starting like your first venture and trying to choose a name, I think that's, probably the hardest because I as you start more things it seems like you you realize that and you kind of mm-hmm. just pick something or say right. yeah let's just pick something and let's, let's go with it and you'll make the business into something because a lot of brands now like you know what is one of the biggest companies in the world it's called apple like when, like mm-hmm. you know back then you'd be like what is that a computer company no way there's no possible way so you just had to pick something and you build it into what you want it to be right right and so going full-time into that business then like, what were the first steps you took to, to really get it off the ground? The first step was procrastinate for several months <laughs> because I was really intimidated by the paperwork of trying to figure out how to legitimately set up a business. So, you know, do you need business insurance? Do you want to be a sole proprietor? Do you want to be an LLC? What is required for your local city? So, you know, if I could go back in time now, I would say just do it, like try it out, start, talk to somebody who's done it. Um, don't get too bogged down by the paperwork because it is a little bit complicated, but yeah. you know what? You can also figure it out. So that was a little bit hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think it was a little bit of the systems too, of thinking about, okay, if this is going to be a real thing, how do I want to, you know, put invoices together? How do I want to think about my calendar? How do I want to think about uh, my website? And actually, I got the best advice when I was first starting out. So I want to pass this along. <laughs> yes. I was told, do not spend a lot of time on your website because it is the easiest trap 
to allow you to avoid doing all the things that you actually need to be doing to run a business. Yeah. So I set a timeline for myself. I think I gave myself three days and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put something up three days. That's all I get. It's going to be good enough. And then I am going to go out and find clients. Yes. So I was so happy with that advice because putting a website up there does not actually get you clients especially <laughs> in the beginning. So those are a couple of things I worked on, you know, to turn it into a real business. Yeah. So you had to do some of like the logistics and figuring all of that out. And did you, I mean, who, for the legal stuff and the paperwork side of it, did you end up like hiring a lawyer? Did you go like a legal zoom route or what did you do for that? I'm just curious. Yeah, I did legal zoom. And then I also took advantage of some really fantastic local resources okay. um, that should be in most cities around the US. So the SBA, which I think is the small business administration or association. Um, and then there's also an organization called score. And they have a lot of really great free and low priced business classes. Nice. So I went to a few local classes. They had resources for, you know, a free legal consultation for new entrepreneurs. So definitely recommend checking out local resources to kind of help you get a lay of the land and get set up there. Yeah. And then in terms of like having the, the basics set up, so you had the website set up and all these other things. So I guess I want to dig down a little bit more than the details for people who are wondering. So with the website, did you go with like a Squarespace or like a WordPress or what is your website on? Yeah, I went with a Squarespace. I kind of asked around to the entrepreneurs that I had in my life. And their answer at the time was like, yeah, pretty much people go with Wix or Squarespace. Uh, <laughs> if you're not super technical, if you haven't you know, built websites before, they're generally pretty easy. And so I was like, great, Squarespace it is. I'll spend a little bit of time learning it and just implement it and get it out there. Perfect. And then in terms of like content and what was your strategy, I guess, for acquiring clients? Was it just, I'm going to start messaging people? Like what was the strategy for that? I think one of the best things you can do when you're starting out is to send basically an announcement letter to potentially everyone you have ever met in your life, friends, <laughs> colleagues, family, dentist, you know, whoever you want to put on there. And I just said, look, I'm doing this thing. I am looking for people to get started. Here's kind of what I'm up to. I would love for you to send this to anyone that you think could benefit from working with me. And then I made a point to talk about what I do a lot. So I, I had this really great conversation early on about with somebody who was, you know, several years ahead of me in business. And she said, you know, people get weirded out by sales and like talking about what you do and trying to sell people on, you know, being a client and whatever else. And she was like, here's how I think about it. Every conversation that you have in your life, whether it's you know work related or personal related or just chatting to people at the grocery store, that is an opportunity to connect with somebody who could benefit from your services. Yeah. And so I really took that to heart in the beginning. And, you know, one of my first clients was my husband's best friend from elementary school, because um, I was talking to him about what I was up to. And I had spouses of colleagues from my college. Um, and so really just taking the opportunity to 
talk to people about their career when they asked what I do and really share what I was up to and see if, you know, they could connect me or they themselves would benefit from what I was up to. So really just feeling comfortable chatting about it and sharing it with people to try to connect and be useful to everyone in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's also what, so Joe Taglio, one of uh, my friends from, I think he was episode 30, I want to say, like he did the same type of thing for, he's just launching his consulting business and yeah, message everybody an announcement of what you're up to and things you're doing because they, people are generally interested anyways and are curious, yeah. right? As yeah. human beings. And then yeah. you get responses from them. People are like, All right, what are you doing? And then, you know, you, you can get business through that. So I think that's a right. smart strategy Absolutely. to implement, especially anyone doing like a coaching consulting business, but really anything, I guess you, you yeah. have those contacts, right? You built up over years. You might as well yeah. reach out. That's right. So how did that go after reaching out to everyone? So you obviously got a few clients through that, like decent response from that. And how did that kind of grow from there then? I remember having the cutest thought at that moment of like, what if the response is so overwhelming that I don't have enough room in my business for (laughs) everyone that wants to work with me? And, you know, looking back, I was really scared. I was like, God, I'm sending this email to hundreds of people. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the response was crickets. Um, And I think one thing that I've learned over time is that when you talk to people and you plant seeds, you have no idea when that is going to come back to you as a client. Right. So, you know, you don't know how much people are sharing on their end or talking about you or thinking about you and having it percolate and then coming to you in six months. So, you know, the general response was pretty quiet, but I wasn't really uh, deterred by that. And I just kept you know, talking with people and um, asking my current clients to refer me to other clients. So it's been a slow process over the two and a half to three years. And I think that's pretty reasonable. When I was first starting out, I talked to a lot of women in business who were several years ahead of me, and they all talked about kind of this three-year cliff of, yeah, for the first three years of your business, you are always going to be thinking about where's your next client coming from and doing a lot of that hard work. And then somewhere around the three, three year mark, you're going to notice that, Oh, actually, yeah, I have a pretty full um, client load consistently. People are coming to me and now I have, you know, the next level of challenges in my business. So yeah, definitely slow and steady over time as far as finding clients. <laughs> I think that's so important to hear that because I think everyone has different expectations than what the, a business will be, right? They have this grandiose right. expectations, which is which is fine. Like, And entrepreneurs are generally like optimistic and have these, mm-hmm. these types of thoughts, but like just getting clients, doing the work and, and continuing on is important because if, as long as you continue on, like you'll still, you'll get more clients and you'll, and you'll get more yep. clients and more clients. Yep. It's just like, if you yep. quit, then you can't, <laughs> you know, right. then, then you can't get right. anything. And I think another important thing you mentioned was the referrals. And I will say that like referrals are so important for any business, but especially like a service-based business or a coaching business, yep. referrals yep. Are, are everything. And even like in my line of like podcast hosting and everything and like, so many of the guests too are referrals. I always try to ask the guests for referrals after I've put out the episode. It's like, oh, is there anyone else you think that would love to be on the podcast? And I've definitely gotten some pretty great guests through that as well. And that's, yeah. you know, even Christina Calabrese who posted in Dreamers and Doers, that so many guests came from that. And that was basically a referral, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So Absolutely. So 
the business like today, so obviously you're working with a bunch of different clients and stuff. Have you kind of narrowed down who you're working with or that type of thing? Like how did you get to this point of who you work with? Yeah. As I said, kind of you, you learn over time as to who you really enjoy working with and where I've landed is working with number one, analytically minded people. And number two, people who are feeling uninspired or crushed by an ill-fitting job. And the reason that I love working with those people is that I actually have a background in engineering, which is very unusual for a career coach. And so the way that I'm thinking about what I'm up to is I'm using my engineering brain to help people answer the question of, how do I actually know the attributes of a job that would be a good fit for me? And how do I do that in the most practical and structured way? Right. So I don't actually just work with engineers and I don't work with, you know, just people in tech. So it's interesting to let people self-select based on this analytically minded kind of idea Yeah. because I work with people across a really wide spectrum of lawyers and architects and people in higher education and design directors for a hat company and literary editors. So it's really all about how people, you know, enjoy processing information and whether they really enjoy a lot of that structure and frameworks in this process of trying to figure out a job that's a good fit for them. Yeah. And with those people you're working with, is it like, I mean, 30, 45-minute calls, 60-minute calls, once a week, twice a week. I'm curious, always in the logistics and details as well, like how you're working with these people typically. Yeah, definitely. So the way that I have designed my particular program is it runs across three months. Okay. And we do an hour-long call every two weeks. Okay. Hour-long call every two weeks, and that goes for three months. And so is it just like the check-in then or like... How, how does that work typically? Is it like, okay, here's the, the tasks you need to do. And then next time we'll chat about those tasks, see where you're at and give you new tasks. Or how does that kind of work? Yeah. I like to explain it to clients as, so for me, each call has a module of exercises associated with it. So I send you a couple of exercises to do for this session. You get the two weeks in between the call to do the exercises. Okay. And then for me, the call is always spent looking at the insight from the exercises and applying it to understanding more about your current position and then also thinking about what would be good next steps from here. Awesome. And with that, so that's kind of the structure of of your program. And then I, I guess, how do people typically go through it afterwards? Like, so it's three months long. Is there anyone like follows up and continues on coaching or is it just like the program's done and we're like, here we go. Or like, how does that work? Yeah, I have chosen an interesting business model where I generally assume that somebody will go through a three-month program and be done. I really want people to feel like they are super set up and have all the tools that they need so that they're really self-sufficient after those three months. So interesting business model in that, you know, I don't have a lot of repeat clients, but I do think that's the best thing for my clients. That being said... I have had people come back to me a little while later and, you know, they're in the next stage of their career and they've done some wonderful things since we've worked together. And then they're like, Hey, I am at this like next challenge level. And I would love to have some of your frameworks and your guidance and, 
you know, your endless question asking to help support me through this period. So I do have some people come back, but it's generally a little while later in their career okay. um, when they need a little bit more support. Gotcha. And then when people are coming to you, like typically what are some of the main like challenges or obstacles or issues they're coming to you with? Like what are some of the things you're, you're dealing with typically? Yeah. I think, let's see, so a couple of different things. One is that people are exhausted by having this perpetual question of, do I want to quit? Do I hate my job? Do I need to go somewhere else? Is there something that would be better for me? So, you know, this question has been lurking for a really long time and they just keep revisiting it and revisiting it and they're not getting anywhere. So kind of that just like endless exhaustion of not being able to make that decision. Yeah. For other people, they've noticed that they're not getting as much fulfillment in their current job, but they don't know what's next. And there's a lot of overwhelm in that. So I've had so many people tell me like, you know, People around them are saying, but you could do anything. And they're like, <laughs> actually, that is the most overwhelming thing that anybody could say. You know, I've had people describe it to me as like, it's like I'm at a buffet and I can have literally anything on the menu, but I just want somebody to choose for me or to you know, <laughs> tell me how to choose. Yeah. So in a lot of cases, it is that like endless exploration of how do I know in this, you know, 10,000 list of jobs that I could do. How do I actually know how to make a decision that's going to feel really good to me? Yeah. And I imagine that's, yeah, people would want to be told or at least given like narrowed down options of like, you know, like based on your skills, I would say these few things are probably a better option, you know, better options for right. you. Because here's the whole world. Anything you want to do, do. Which, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be tough. What is your vision for your company moving forward? Like, what would you want to happen? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think the the main vision that I have is as many people in this world as possible making decisions with confidence and feeling agency in their career. I think confidence in decision making is kind of the entire purpose of my business yeah. wrapped up in career coaching. Right. Because I just find that people have such trouble with all the pressure that exists today about what we should be doing with our job, where we should want to work, what work should mean to us. Um, we really lose sight of what's actually important to us. So I want a workforce of people where there is no waffling about decisions. There's no second guessing. There's no beating ourselves up for decisions that we've made. There's no being swayed by shiny things or what other people say you should do. It is making decisions that feel good to you based on everything that you know about yourself. Right. That's awesome. I, I think that's only going to lead to obviously a, a better, everyone's going to be happier because of that. Like, right. Because career is such a right. huge part of our lives because of how many hours we spend at work. It's like, right. if you're not, you know, fulfilled or inspired or doing work that is meaningful for you, like how are you ever going to be able to be a, a happy, your happiest and best self? And it's, I think it's mm -hmm. impossible without having the right, work. So yeah. uh, that was obviously why I kind of initially started just go grind and, you know, focusing more on helping people launch or grow businesses now, but the career side is still yeah. something that's important and uh, an aspect of that. Cause you know, being an entrepreneur that that's your career, then it's just a certain career path. Right. Right. So, and I will add yeah. that I have a, 
kind of provocative thought that it is okay to have a boring job if it works for you. Yeah. And if you're really clear about what you are getting out of that boring job and what it is allowing you to do in your free time or allowing you to do in your creative pursuits. So one thing I work with people on is, you know, where do you want your passion and purpose to come from? And for some people in some phases of their life, it's not their work. And I want people to be okay with that and have that be a decision that they make with confidence knowing why that's a good fit for them at that stage of life. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good point because yeah, essentially like there's no way, I guess everyone necessarily has that job, but it may be okay to have a certain, certain, certain job mm -hmm. that allows you to do other things. And like you said, there's clearly mm -hmm. time outside of work as well, which is, yeah, it's very right. important to put there. You know, if someone does hate their job though, and they really think it's an ill-fitting job and is considering something else, like what are maybe some of those those first steps or first ex exercises they could do to kind of get out of that situation? Yeah. First, I would say start to identify what pressure they're putting on their job. So as I mentioned, there is a lot of pressure out there about, you know, what your job should mean to you and maybe what your family thinks you should be doing and maybe what, you know, friends think. Just start to think about what, what pressure does exist for me in my job? What am I trying to make my job be? Um, you know, whose opinions am I following? And just start to get really clear on that so that you can start to decipher for yourself, okay, what is it that I actually want out of a job and would be a good fit for me? So I think that's step number one. Step number two is find ways to be really kind to yourself in this process. We are so good at beating ourselves up about, you know, not being where we think we should be or not taking the steps that we want to be. <laughs> and there's a lot of research out there that self-criticism is not actually a way to increase your motivation and to increase your you know dedication and action taking. So I always like to encourage people to find more self-compassion than self-criticism so that they can really tap into that motivation and get into action mode. I think another thing to do is to start refilling your energy in any ways possible. <laughs> so when you're stuck and when you hate things, you know, it is such an energy drain. Yeah. And so often, you know, if you're exhausted in your work, it leaks into the rest of life and you probably just come home and you, you know, get some Netflix on and then you go to bed and that's kind of, you're, you're surviving, right? Right. So for me, I think it's important to think about, okay, what are the things that give me joy? What are the things that give me energy? Um, what are those things that are called hobbies that I maybe used to have and start thinking about what are the smallest ways that you can start to infuse some of that in your life? so that you kind of build up this momentum of having a little bit of energy, having a little bit of joy in there so that you can kind of refill that, that energy and that motivation to start tackling the question of, okay, what do I do about my job and how can I get into action mode? Yeah. And to that point, like what are some of those things you found that people typically say they're, they're going to do or what like helps them kind of refuel the energy? Yeah. I was talking to somebody yesterday who was like, I need nature. That's what I need. I need some peace and some quiet. And so then it's like, all right, what are some ways that you can get nature in five minutes? I'm all about, you know, what are the smallest things that you can do 
that will have a big impact. Yeah. Because I know how exhausting it is to hate your job. And I don't want to tell you, you know, go and you know sign up for a, a new degree and spend all this time <laughs> and energy doing this thing. So for me, it's all about, you know, get five minutes of nature, eat lunch away from your desk. If you're really craving connection, um, call an old friend for five minutes to check in. Um, for me, I know when I was feeling really crushed, I love learning. And I was like, I feel so stagnant. I need to take classes in any form that I can do. So I went to a baking class. I went to a floral arrangement class. I um, took a Mandarin class, like anything that I could do <laughs> to remind my brain that, you know, there was some some joy out there to do the things that I was excited about. So yeah, kind of some examples like that. That's awesome. So on your entrepreneurial path and also with career, I'm curious on the, the resources. So any, you know, books, podcasts, audiobooks on both sides of either helping you with like your entrepreneurial journey, but also people who are, you know, maybe stuck in their career, any type of resources you think are beneficial for them? Yeah, I have a couple of books that I absolutely love. One is Designing Your Life, written by two Stanford professors, all about kind of applying design principles to figuring out what you want to do for your life. Okay. Absolutely love that one. There's also one called The Art of Work. And one aspect of this book that I love is it's it's a great reminder that pretty much nobody has any idea what they're doing <laughs> at, at any one time, you know. So it's it's a great reminder that you don't need to have it all figured out. Yeah. And discovering what you're meant to do is actually a process that does not look linear when you're in it. Right. There's also a great book called Roadmap. And I think there's a tagline of something like the do-it-yourself guide to figuring out what you want to do in life. And then um, a cool podcast that I just learned about recently is How I Built This. Oh, yes. That's a great one for entrepreneurs. Classic. And then the associated Facebook community, How You Built That. Those are And then yeah. one other one, a book that is probably my favorite book, kind of just in the business realm in general. It's not necessarily about career or entrepreneurship. It's called Essentialism. And the tagline is The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And it is a book filled with terrifying truths about how much we allow everyone and anyone to pull our time and attention and mental energy in all different directions at once. And so it talks a lot about the power of prioritization and seeing the ability to say no as a leadership skill. And it will, you know, scare the pants off of anybody <laughs> that is, you know, saying yes to too many things and being everything to anybody. Uh, just a fantastic resource. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that book and probably need to reread it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I try to reread it every once in a while and I'm like, oh, gosh, yeah. okay, you're right, book. you're right. I'll do more Yeah, this. there's so many things going on, especially yeah, as an entrepreneur, but really, I mean, everyone has a lot going on, but they're, you know. Right. Pursuing less and trying to look at those things that are actually important and the most important is is critical, right. especially if you, you want to do more and more. Like, yeah, it's so important. And I've found that too. Like, I find every so often I have like a massive to do list trying to just like condense into, okay, well, what are the actual most important things? Right now? <laughs> like, a lot of this stuff can, can do later, but like right now, let's just do these things. And it's it's an important reminder, even as well. 
Yeah. And, and how I built this podcast, like, yeah, definitely one of my favorites because yeah, telling stories of how people built their companies is fascinating. And so a lot of what I try to share some of that as well on Just Go Grind. Hence why Lindsay yeah. Gordon here is on right now. As we're kind of wrapping things up, is there any kind of advice you'd have for aspiring entrepreneurs or someone who wants to start maybe a coaching, consulting type of business? We'll start with that first. Yeah. First thing is, I wish more people had told me that anyone can start a business. I don't really think I got a lot of those messages in the last however many years. So that's one thing that I want to say to anybody. Anyone can start a business. It's not that entrepreneurship is for everybody. You know, it is a hard thing. There are a lot of, you know, strange conditions and the working environment is very particular. And so it might not work for everybody, but I want everybody to know that everyone can run a business. (laughs) You can figure out the paperwork. You can figure out your awesome sweet spot of what you want to contribute to the world and you can absolutely build it. So just want to mention that piece. I think. Another piece too is that oftentimes we talk a lot about how risky being an entrepreneur is and starting your business. And I actually loved a message in the book Originals that said, actually, the most successful entrepreneurs are pretty risk averse. And so the suggestion I would have for people thinking about this is how can you de-risk this, you know, big leap? in as many ways as possible. So how can you test it out beforehand? How can you get a few clients? How can you see what it's like, you know, working from home and working solo for a little bit? How can you understand, you know, how much you love about running the business side of things? Because when you're, when you're running a business, it's really not just about the coaching and what you're offering out there. Um, It is about the business side. So, you know, de-risk it as much as possible so it doesn't feel like a crazy big leap or um, a crazy big risk for you. And then I think, you know, be really clear on the why of why you're doing anything. So why you're choosing to start a business, why you're choosing to not start a business (laughs) and why you know that's not the right thing for you, why you're choosing to make a move. Being really clear for yourself about the why can be really helpful in making sure you're making the right choice for you. I think those are all important. And is there anything else you'd like to say around people kind of changing careers or trying to find a new career or debating maybe potentially changing careers? Anything for them as well? Yeah. I would love to plug the it is never too late (laughs) thoughts. I talked to a potential client yesterday who was like, I am in my 40s. I don't know if it's too late for me. And I'm like, it is not too late. Will there be some challenges that you may face that might be different from somebody earlier in their career? Yes. And it is never too late. I really want people to feel like they can make a change at any point. There's always an opportunity for you to be learning more, for you to be building career capital in new ways for you to be cultivating interesting opportunities. So please never feel that it is too late and always feel like you have the opportunity to do things that are interesting to you and get you excited and motivated and fulfilled. Love it. And where, where can people go to learn more about you and what you're, all you're, you're doing? Yes. So you can find me at a lifeofoptions.com. 
and my blog is on there and I talk a lot about, you know, some of the topics that we've talked about today. So would love to have you join me there. Awesome. Everybody go check out Lindsay. Obviously you can tell from, from this interview, she knows a ton and is very insightful. And Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.